Well, thank you, men, so much. That is a real encouragement to all of us. I know my wife must really be excited. <laughs> and I'm excited, too. <laughs> uh, that's very gracious of you. And, uh, you know, it's interesting as I came in today, I don't know, I just had this overall, overall sense of love for you guys. And looking at all the wonderful people in our family and um, how much they love the Lord and how much they love me. And um, I tell you, I'm looking for a lot of hugs this morning. I really, I'm just hugging people a lot just because I wanted to connect and uh, show you how much I appreciate and love you. Well, we had a great party last Sunday, trunk or treat. And oh man, did God show up. We had 650 guests. 650. Isn't that amazing? There's a church in the area that really big it, does it big, and they got 2,000, so I thought, hey, 650 is pretty good, you know, for our first time around. And uh, we had about, uh, I'd say, uh, 40%, just under 300 people that we, we didn't know who they were. They made from other churches, but there were a lot of people who were, they didn't go to church anywhere. I talked to them, going around talking to people, and they were just talking about how, you know, they've never been to church or been away from church for a long time. And, of course, uh, we invited uh, them out. Here are some pictures from our gathering. Uh, we got these kids, and you see the Huntley fire engine in the background? They were kind enough to come out and give out candy, and uh, kids love fire engines. Next picture you'll see, this is uh, people watching the bouncy houses or the inflatables. Uh, we got Dwight and Todd and Kathy and uh, Haven. <laughs> Next picture we see we'll have, well, oh, I tell you, these guys tried to register, all right? And uh, I had to come up and take them outside and talk to them and say, guys, you know, this is not for your age group, okay? You know? Now, that's Eric Runk and uh, Dick Schmidt who are helping out. Next slide. Uh, we see our dynamic duo from Kid City. And Michelle Howe on the right and Marcy Heflin on the left there. And uh, they have a very creative costume. It, they're not stuck together. They actually separate. And uh, I think they're peanut M&Ms because they're a bunch of nuts. No, just kidding. Just peanut. Yeah, we appreciate all they do. Uh, the next picture. Oh, I just never fully appreciated how buff Bill Gannison was. Where's Phil? There he is right there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, man, you... You look a little different today, but <laughs> you, you look good, bud. And uh, Cheryl and uh, the Incredibles, and they were incredible. There are a lot of families that, that played uh, key roles in this. I gave a lot of time, and the Gannisons are a beautiful example. I mean, their kids were all in. They were all in. Kid was, uh, Phil was painting sets. Uh, he's an artist. And so we appreciate all you guys did, as well as everybody else. I think there was over 200 people involved and all kinds of candy brought. Uh, we appreciate that. The next picture, we see the neon dancing uh, something. 
<laughs> this is really one of the most popular uh, rooms in uh, the truck or treat event. I mean, they were doing line dancing and just jumping up and down and black lights, and uh, they just had an awesome time in there. Well, it was an awesome event, and God really used our church. God really used us to make a difference. But the question is, why? Why did we do all this? Why did we take so much time and energy to organize this and call for our whole church uh, to be involved? Why did we spend over $2,000 on this particular event? It's cheaper in years <laughs> coming, but why would we do that? And that's out of disciple-driven funds. I want to thank you for those who give to that. Why would we do that? Just to have a fun party for the community? Well, that's one reason. But the number one reason is, is that we want to express the love of Jesus Christ to people in our community who do not know him. And one of the best ways that God facilitates spreading his love and revealing himself is you and I as we interact with people around us. Every day we're assigned that job of spreading God's love, revealing who he is uh, through our lives. And uh, for many of you, you make more of an impact than you can ever imagine. People are watching us. In fact, my son Brian got a, uh, a, a Facebook post from a guy he knew in high school. And the guy said, listen, I don't believe in Christianity, but you're the one guy that I met who really lived it out and had an interest in dialoguing with me. You see, friends, you never know. You never know what's going to happen there. We're going to be talking about the love of God this morning. And that word love has just been so, <laughs> all the meaning's been sucked out of it. I mean, you love the bears, you love pizza, you love a favorite outfit, you love a TV show. You don't love inanimate objects, okay? Uh, you love people. That's the whole point. You love people, and God loves us. And that's what we want to explore as we continue on our series of the attributes of God. Now, this is what we call a doctrinal series. Uh, a doctrinal series looks at the doctrine, of course, of God. And therefore, we're looking at different texts, and it's so important that we know who God is. Uh, look at this statement. What we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that. What we think about God. Does that resonate with you? Maybe sometimes you think what we do for God is the most important thing. No, that's not the case. It's what we think about God. Because you see, God created us to have a relationship with Him. That's why everybody is here. Six, mil six billion, whatever it is. They're here to have a relationship with God. Now, many of them did not realize that. But God created them for that purpose. And, of course, sin entered into uh, the world. And uh, we all have a, an incredible need to be loved. You think about a baby coming out of the womb. Oh, that baby needs all kinds of love, needs all kinds of, you know, protection and uh, feeding and uh, just a lot of attention. 
a lot of love, and we never really grow up. We still need that love from other people. We still need to know that we matter to someone, that someone cares about us. That is a universal need. Now, God is the universal solution, right? Because that's the way he wired us. He wired us that we would need his love. But other people uh, don't want his love. They want to try to get the love from other things in life. And that's why they end up empty. Because God is the only thing that quenches your and my thirst for love. And, and so it's how you view God. Now some people view God kind of as a hobby. They are Christ followers. Uh, but at the same time they've drifted and... Jesus Christ is no longer Lord of their lives, and they're just kind of doing their lives their own way. And, and when you know they really need God, they'll, they'll call him up, you know, and say, "Hey, would you give me some help here?" Uh, they might come to services regularly, but when it comes right down to it, they are in control of their life, and so they have a very little God. Because if they really understood who God was, they wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> you know, our God, <laughs> our God. Is unbelievable, as we've talked about during uh, this series. When you start to understand the holiness of God, when you start to understand the wisdom of God, the love of God, the faithfulness, I mean, all-knowing, all-powerful. When you understand that everything in this universe is about God as you study Scripture, that's going to change the way you live because you're not living for yourself anymore. You're living with Jesus Christ as Lord, and every day is well, it's laid out for you, and you're going to follow it. You're going to pursue him, and you're going to approach life in a totally different uh, manner. So uh, we look at First John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. Right there. Three words. God is love. He is the definition of love. If you want to know what love is, you study the scriptures and look for God's love. Everywhere that you can see it. And I would really encourage you to take the message notes home today and meditate on the, the scriptures that we'll be sharing uh, with you. Because I find, I mean, all of us, all of us still don't know how incredible God's love is. And we need to continue to think about it. And I think we need to continue to think about that attribute more than other attributes. Because so many times we're down on ourselves and we're critical and those type of things. But if we realize how much God loved us and how he just wants to have a relationship with us, uh, that. That is what the essence of the Christian life is about. His, his love is spontaneous and sacrificial and consistent and, and full of understanding. It's an incredible type of love. First John 1 John 1.5 says something else about God. This is a message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So, it's interesting because God is light, talks about purity, talks about 
talks about His holiness. But then we have God as love. So as you see all these different attributes of God, how they interact with one another, and how they temper one another, and they guide one another, it's really incredible. So God loves us. Well, that's great. Does that mean we can do anything we want? Well, no, because God is holy, and He calls us uh, to be holy. And if you ever find yourself drifting, if you ever find yourself in some type of rebellion, God is going to discipline you. That's part of love, right? I mean, it's great to have kids and everything, right? Uh, You guys, I see it. I see these moms come in with like four kids. <laughs> I feel so sorry for them. <laughs> you know, as I look at it, you know, the parenting experience, 20% of it is really cool, right? 20% of it is awesome. I mean, it's those special moments when your kids come up and they hug you and they tell you how much they love you and, and you just watch grow, and especially when they're sleeping, they're the cutest. Yeah. You know, usually I go, I go into my, my child's bedroom if we had a rough day, and I just look at him and say, yeah, he's a cute kid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 20% of it is fantastic, but 80% of it is really, really hard work. I mean, really hard work. And part of that hard work, part of that love is discipline, disciplining your children. That's what God calls us to do. Because if we don't discipline our children, they're going to turn out to be little savages. That's what they're born as, right? We've got to bring them in and show them how to act, and hopefully when they become a Christ follower, uh, they will uh, grow even more with the Holy Spirit's power. But we got to teach them how to relate to other kids and what to say, what not to say, and all those kind of things. Well, in the same way, God disciplines us. Uh, in Hebrews 12, verse 6, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. You know, people read this and they think, well, that's a little bit harsh. You know, I thought God was love. You know, what's he doing disciplining me here? Well, it says it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now, that really makes sense, right? I mean, if you're a parent, you're going to discipline your children out of love. That's your motive, out of love, because you know if they continue to do the things they're doing, throwing rocks at other kids, that's not good. Okay, so you have to discipline them. You have to say that's not the type of way we should treat other people. So... Uh, if you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So if God doesn't discipline us, we're not even really his legitimate children because he's the perfect father, and therefore he is going to discipline. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of the spirits and live? So we respect our I mean, we didn't respect our parents when they were disciplining us. But as we look back and we see the discipline they gave us, and if they did it in a healthy way, we see, wow, that really helped train my life. That They helped me to stay away from a lot of the troubles that other people have 
because of their discipline. And then in verse 10, For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good that we may share His holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful. Amen to that. Yes, it is. Rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So obviously God wants us to be holy, to grow in holiness. And He knows in order to do that, He's got to bring discipline into our lives. Now, we have a lot of trials and challenges uh, in our life. And uh, God's very selective in His discipline. Uh, he doesn't discipline us for everything. And uh, He gives us grace, but sometimes He needs to come down and He might allow certain circumstances uh, in our life uh, in order to deal with all kinds of issues in our life, whether it be pride or whether it be anger. And so He will bring things into our life to break us down, or whether it's just pure rebellion. He'll really work you. You do not want to be rebelling against God because He is your loving Father and He is going uh, to bring things into your life that will cause pain so you can see that you need uh, to be in sync uh, with Him. So that's a beautiful truth about uh, God's discipline. And it's God's love. That's tough love, right? We don't like to do it uh, necessarily but it's so critical that it be done. So that, that's God's love, His discipline. Now, let's take a look at why God loves us, okay? Let's look at Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. Uh, this is uh, Moses speaking to the people of Israel uh, on behalf of God. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Talking about the Israelites. The Lord your God has chosen you to be the people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So, so for some reason, he chose the Israelites. No other people. He only dealt with the Israelites primarily in the Old Testament. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. So it's not like Israel, you were better than other people, you we're a bigger country than other people. No, you were kind of like on the low end of the totem pole. And then it goes on, verse 8, But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So the question is, why does God love you? Well, he loves you because he decided to love you. Now, for some of you who are out there and saying, well, I was a pretty good candidate uh, for being a Christ follower. I already had my act pretty much together, and God helped me finish it out. And, uh, I mean, why wouldn't God want me on his team? <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> God chose you because he chose you. Like when you're talking to your kids and you tell them to do something. Why did you do that? Because I said so. And we ask God, why, why do you love me? Because I chose to love you. <laughs> There's nothing special about all of us. We're all in the same boats. We're all sinners. But, man, just to think that God chose Dan Harrison to love and uh, open up 
his kingdom and to join his family. Oh, that is something incredibly rich, isn't it? Yes. So, uh, we move on here. Uh, Jeremiah 31.3. Uh, Prophet Jeremiah, he is speaking on behalf of God. The Lord appeared to him, talking about Israel, from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. An everlasting love. God shows me and you, if you're a Christ follower, from the beginning uh, before creation. He chose to love us. He chose to love the Israelites before creation. That's how long he's been loving you before you even appeared here on earth. And his love is going to go for eternity. And the great thing about God is that he's God. And when he says something, he is going to do it. <laughs> it's interesting that the one who knows us the best, that's God, loves us the most. Right? I mean, he sees everything in your life. You think you have a secret you haven't told anybody? Well, God knows that secret. And he still loves you. We talk about you know, our family relationships, and you know, we, we like to say that we love each other unconditionally. I might even say it, but we don't really. I mean, it's a conditional type of love. The more you mature, of course, the more pure the love becomes for your husband or wife or children, but, you know, it's like if a wife is saying goodbye to her husband who's going out to Las Vegas for a business trip. Say, hey, 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 anything goes, you know, do whatever you want. <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Because love has limitations, right? And so when we think about God's love, now, again, think about this, all right? One percent of our love is like God's love, but but God's love is at a hundred percent. Right? God's love is one hundred percent, and we think we're loving people, but in comparison with God, it's just like one percent, and probably even smaller. You see, God is totally other; He is totally holy. And whenever we talk about these different things, it's hard to compare ourselves, right? <laughs> now, some things we can't be like God on missions and things like that, knowing all things. But there are other things that we can be like. We can be a lover of people. But at the same time, we need to realize how special and unique and powerful His love is. Uh, we look at John 3.16. The gospel in a nutshell, right? For God so loved the world. Now, if you slow down and think about this and really meditate upon it, okay, God, the creator, the sovereign one, the holy one, the one who is all wise and all knowing, he, he wants a relationship with me. It's pretty cool. We're in such a culture in relationships where it's all based kind of on performance and, you know, 
what you do for me kind of thing, I'll do for you, and, and certain types of relationships. But, but God's love is not like that at all. It's an unconditional type of love. He loved the world. He loved the world. That he gave his only son. My friends, if you have children, would you sacrifice your child for anyone? I wouldn't. I wouldn't sacrifice my child. But here God sacrificed his son. He gave him away. He didn't bargain him away or loan him. I mean, he gave him away to us in order that we might have a way to the Father. Now that, right there, that's 100% love, isn't it? That he would do that for us. That whoever believes in him, that's where we talk about the fact that we need to uh, put our faith in Jesus Christ. And it is faith. We're, we're trusting in him. But you've got to believe it. You just can't know about it. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ just did. But you've got to believe it, you've got to repent, and you've got to come to Christ. Should not perish, but have eternal life. That this love that I'm feeling here on earth from God is, I can't feel, I feel certain amounts of it, but because of my sin and the world's condition, I really won't fully experience it until I get to heaven. Eternal love. He, he's going to love us for billions and billions of years. And his love is never going to change for us. And that same love, billions and billions of years from now, is the same love he has for you now. He has an unconditional love for you now. He will discipline you, but his love never changes. Our fellowship with God can change where God will have to deal with us and we're out of fellowship with Him because we're in sin, but His love is consistent and never-ending. I was talking with a woman out here during the Voice of the Martyrs Conference and she has been attending our church and I sat down with her and found out a little bit about her background and uh, talked about her spiritual journey and told her about the gospel, and uh, she made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as her Savior. That was so cool. And then just this Thursday, I was in my office uh, with another woman talking about her spiritual journey, and she hadn't grown up in a church. She, uh, she had some challenges with her health, and this past year she asked, you know, I, <laughs> she said, I need God. I really need God. And so she started attending Springbrook here. And at 4.30 on Thursday, she became a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's praise the Lord, huh? Amen. Because that's our mission, friends. Not just me, but all of us. To be loving people to Jesus Christ through relationships. We need to bring them in. That, that's what it's all about. I mean, you think about this life. You know, what, what's the best thing you can bring out of this life? Well, it's other people that God has used you uh, to influence toward a relationship uh, with Christ. Now, I'll look at an interesting passage 
uh, in Romans 3, 10 through 17. It's what I call a spiritual autopsy of a sinner. Okay, we were all like this. Verse 10, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Did you hear any exceptions in there? <laughs> I think the point was no, not any one of you, <laughs> you know, has uh, been holy. Now, uh, this gets a little graphic here. Their throat is an open grave. Just imagine that for a moment. <laughs> their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive, to lie. The venom of, venom of asps is under their lips, so they have poison just like a snake would, and would, again, poison other people and hurt them. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. This, is, this sounds like a person I want to get to know, you know, create a deeper relationship with. What do you think? Huh? Uh, Romans 3.10, their feet are swift to shed blood. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And we do that through character assassination, right? We can rip and shred a person so fast to another person and we might as well be killing them, right? In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of the peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. They, don't, they could care less about God. And friends, that is the autopsy on you when you were spiritually dead. I think it's interesting that it talks about the mouth primarily because that's where a lot of our sin happens. What comes out of our mouth, gossip, slander, uh, curses, all those type of things. Uh, it's interesting that uh, that dominates that description. But that's who we were before we came to Christ. That was what we looked at. Pretty messy, huh? You know, like I, I don't want to be like that. Well, you know, you're a sinner, and that's how sinners act. Well, now here, here's, the, here's the incredible news, okay, in Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you think if you're going to die for something, it's going to be something noble. You're going to die for uh, this young man who's going to go on and do wonderful things. You're going to die for, for something else. For a person that's worthy of dying for. But but look at look at the sinner here. You know? Christ is basically giving his life for no one who does good, not even one. We've turned aside, we're not righteous, we don't even seek him. Uh, our throat is an open grave, our tongues deceive, we have poisonous lips, and we're full of curses and bitterness. Yeah, that's the person I'm gonna give my life for. While we were still sinners, while we were in that wretched, wretched condition, he died for us. Okay. Are you starting to understand God's love a little more here? I mean, the, the point is you want to move it from your head to your heart. Oh, yeah, I love God. Yeah, no, 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 no. No. The amazing love. Well, friends, uh, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
I find that many people will trust in their good works to get them to heaven, and uh, your good works will get you nowhere. Uh, there's a salvation prayer that I have here uh, in the uh, insert. Lord Jesus, I believe you died and rose again to pay the penalty of my sins. I repent of my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now it is a free gift. I know, I repeated, sorry. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Now that kind of sums up what it means to come to Jesus and says, I got nothing here, no good works. I'm that, you know, guy with the open throat, the grave, you know, that's me. <laughs> you don't come with any pride whatsoever because you got nothing. And you say, Lord, you paid the penalty uh, for my salvation. I want to, I believe in that, and I want to receive it, and I want to repent of it. So I would encourage you, uh, if you've never made that decision, you can pray that prayer now, you can pray it later, but tell us about it. Uh, write down salvation so we can follow up and encourage you. It's been wonderful to see so many new people uh, exploring Springbrook. And we're a safe place to explore God. I was just talking to, with a girl um, outside the service here at uh, 9 o'clock, and uh, her boyfriend, he said he was coming back, but she wasn't because she was not religious. And I just said, hey, you know, the, the question you need to answer in your life is who is Jesus Christ? And we would love to help you explore that if you'd like to be with us. Now I want to write, read <coughs> excuse me, uh, a story and a uh, statement from the Bible. And I just want you to drink this in, okay? Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. It was long, wasn't longer before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all throughout that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him any. <laughs> and then that brought him to his senses. Isn't it amazing what it takes for some people to be brought to their senses? But God keeps working on them. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I'm starving to death. I'm going to go back to my father. Right there, that's a beautiful phrase, right? I'm going back to my father. I've tried, you know, living my life my way, and it's turned out as a disaster. But I'm going to go back to my father. You know why he's going to go back to his father? Because he knows his father. He knows his father's love for him. He knows that he can go back and his father will do something for him. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. Well, he got right up from that pig pen and went home to his father. There we see it again. He's returning home. Uh, when he was still a long way off, his father saw him, his heart pounding. He ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. 
The son started his speech, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. Wow. (laughs) That's the love of God. The father, of course, is God. And his son went off on his own, did his own thing. And you would think when he came back, the father would say, Oh, it's you! It's you who stole the inheritance. It's you who decided to do life on your own. Well, how how'd that work for you? How did things go? Oh, you want to come back? Oh, isn't that interesting? Well, we're going to start you out at the lowest position. It's going to take you about 10 years uh, to reach the status uh, that you used to have. Not a good... <laughs> having a party. <laughs> Bring a clean set of clothes, a dress, and put the family ring. These were all very honorable things to do. I mean, they get a grain-fed heifer. I mean, like, like you know, you're in heaven. Uh, we're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. You see, if you just think about that parable and, and meditate on the love of God, and sometimes, again, we beat ourselves up so much and we don't feel like we're good enough and all that kind of thing. And No, we have to bask in God's love as He truly does love us. One more statement here uh, from the Bible. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble. Not hard times. Not hatred. Not hunger. Not homelessness. Not bullying threats. Not backstabbing. Not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Beautiful. Nothing. Friends, no matter what happens in your life, God's love will always be there to carry you, to show you mercy and grace and compassion. It's always there. Even the worst things happen in life. God will be there for you. Isn't that tremendous? Who else can you say that about in your life? Really, nobody. Because you don't know what's going to happen in certain situations. But He's going to be there, and He's going to be there in eternity. That's how much He loves you. When you are the most unlovely person, when you are just making a jerk out of yourself, God loves you still the same. Now that is a beautiful gift.
Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. Oh, wow. For your incredible love. It's so rich to study these, these your attributes because it helps us to understand who you are. And it helps us, Lord, in so many ways, especially just focusing on your love. I pray for all of us that we'd spend some time thinking about your love this week and just embracing it and celebrating it. And every day, if nothing else is going right, the most incredible thing is that I have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And he loves me with a 100% proof love. In Christ's name, amen.